Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, I love to take this time and thank my guests because I know they're showing up with a couple of things that I personally deem precious. Their time. Nikki, thank you for your time. That commodity is priceless. If people do not know how, what it is and how to use it, they can squander that. I know many that have. And the other is your precious journey. That journey houses your victory, your pain, all of the things that is you and made you who you are today and you're here to entrust us with this information and so i want to thank you for coming here at threads of enlightenment i do appreciate you spending time with us thank you so much ken thank you for having me it's an honor to be here man i'm excited about this conversation nikki i want you to tell them all the things that you have created because i've had some fun uh listening to all of your your youtube and all the other things reading about you man so I'm excited about this conversation. Talk to the people. Let them know those things that you have given birth so far. Okay, well, uh, I've written and published a number of books. Uh, my uh, my best-known book is called Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. Um, and I wrote it about uh, the work I did with Olympic gold medal athletes and world record holders and the top performers inside business. Those folks have a different type of mindset. And um, in that book, we capture... How is it that those top-level performers think compared to how other people think? That's my first book. Then I wrote a children's book teaching kids about free enterprise. It's called Kathy Capitalist and Johnny Jobmaker. I had little little kids at the time. So that's like an illustrated uh, children's book about business and, and free enterprise. And then I wrote a um, another book um, uh, called The Thought Leader's Journey. And it was written in the form of a fable. If you're familiar with the work of Robin Sharma and the monk who sold his Ferrari, it's kind of written in that similar type of a frame. But it describes the journey of someone who's working in corporate Canada, corporate America, and wants out, wants to go and follow their heart, follow their own passion. And it, it really speaks about all the things they need to learn to get out there. And then I wrote another book called um, The Power of Connecting, how to activate profitable relationships by serving your network. That was a co-written book. I wrote it with the founder of BNI and um, uh, Canada, I should say, not the founder of BNI overall. Uh, his name's Kai Bjorn. And it really is about how to delve into your network, your warm market, and create those relationships that generate business. Because I really believe that your network is your net worth. And a lot of people, a lot of good people, there's millions of dollars available for them in their network if they properly go after it. We can talk about that more a bit uh, in the conversation. Uh, and uh, the um, the next business book I wrote is called um, uh, How to Create a Million Dollar a Year Income 
priceless guide for insurance agents, sales professionals, and anyone with a big dream. And I wrote this with another client of mine who makes a million dollars a year inside of his field. And uh, we wanted to bring those principles out to the people. I've got a couple podcasts that do the Thought Leader Revolution, and I've got a, a podcast that do for men uh, called the Sovereign Man Podcast. That's part of the men's organization that I run mm. uh, as well. And on top of that, I'm uh, you know father to two teenage sons. Both of them are involved in sports, so it's uh, it's busy. <laughs> I actually. Uh, five sons, man. So I know five uh, sons, dude. <laughs> I bow to you. <laughs> I know about that um, that type of lifestyle, if you will. Um, I know uh, you had mentioned uh, your network and so forth, and I tell people acres of diamonds, man. You got to know what's around you, um, Nikki. I want you to go back as to your childhood uh, because we want to take uh, your journey back as to how was your household, how was that family unit because usually there is where we began to get our first information if you will about life and how life is and all of those different things and from that uh, uh that relation those relationship you and i kind of form our own based on the information that was inputted to us talk to me as to how was your family unit and how did it affect you as a young man so i grew up in iran Right, uh, I was born in Iran. I'm a Christian from Iran, in the Middle East, and my um, my mother and my father were very uh, influenced by um, modern ideas, Western ideas. Um, my mom went to uh, get a nursing degree in Denmark. My father uh, studied in England to get his business degree. He came from a very poor family, uh, you know, uh, and he totally lifted himself up by the bootstraps. He couldn't afford meals in England, and he eventually had to come back because he couldn't afford to, to finish university there. So he would eat bounty chocolate bars. That those he, he had one a day. That was his that was his sustenance when he was there. Wow! Uh, and, and you know, being a, an Assyrian Christian in Iran was very hard back then. He, people would there's a lot of discrimination. People would just accost him on the street and start fights with him, like try to beat the crap out of him. He got a thick skin pretty quickly and they stopped messing with him and his family after a while. But that's, that's kind of the story uh, of my dad. And um, my dad was a larger than life character. God rest his soul. You know, he, um, he was an entrepreneur. He also was very much into meditation. He, he started meditating when he was 18 years old and he meditated twice a day until he, wow. you know, he had um, strokes and so forth and he couldn't, he couldn't do it anymore. But, uh, he, he was somebody who really went within and, and uh, was a multimillionaire businessman and also yeah. a bit of a renaissance man and a spiritual man, too. And growing up in Iran, uh, when I was uh, quite young, 11 years old, the Islamic Revolution uh, took place. My father was a far-sighted man, and he said, this is not going to be a great place for me to raise my family anymore. So he got us out of the yeah. country. And uh, I thank God every day for him having the foresight to do that, you know, because we got to grow up in the free West. I know that we were living in a time where it's very fashionable and popular for so many people in the media to go, Oh my God, the West, so oppressive, so terrible, so racist, so sexist, so whatever. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? This is the most tolerant place on the planet. When I was 11 years old, they threw a Molotov cocktail through my living room window with a note on it that said, die Christian scum. It didn't explode. <laughs> we kept the notes. You know what I mean? 
thank God. But, you know, if it had exploded, you and I wouldn't be talking because it landed right next to me. It would have killed me, you know, and it's yeah. uh, that's that's kind of normal in the world here when uh, we societally look at our, our behavior in the past. We, we actually go, oh, we could have done better. Uh, we did wrong. And, and in the, back back home, they don't do that. They double down, they triple down, they quadruple down <laughs> their behavior. Are you kidding me? We're so lucky to be here. This is what I see first and foremost. I think everybody needs to understand how lucky we are to be here, to live in a free society, to be able to think free thoughts, and to be able to create a, a, a way of life, a lifestyle, a business. Yes. It's not possible everywhere in the world. You know, and we, we all need to understand how great it is to have these opportunities where we live, in my opinion. and. My father, like I said, he was an entrepreneur, and he he uplifted people. Ken, dad would um, dad would help people find jobs. He would help people get their yeah. start in business. You know, uh, he he would lend them money and things like that. And then there were people that were you know not doing so good. So he would he would help them out. He would he'd buy a guy a car. He he'd even wow. buy their family an apartment and, and even a house. And you know, in in Iran at the time, this was. You know, certainly noteworthy, but there there were other folks in in our country that did that. I mean, Iranians have a beautiful, generous nature to them. And and why would he do that? Well, first of all, you know, he was he was an Iranian generous man. He was also a Christian. He really believed that you know much had been given to him, and he needed to yeah. to give back, as it were. And then he also um, he he did it because he could. He had the wherewithal, you know. So I wanted to be an yeah. entrepreneur. I wanted to help other people. And like you and I were talking about before we started recording, there's a lot of people inside of the space that you're in. They're good people. They, they come from the heart. They want to make a difference. They don't understand business. And the idea of sales terrifies them. Yeah. They, they think, oh, my God, I want to be so pushy. I don't want to come across salesy. I don't want to reek of commission breath. <laughs> you know, if you ever heard that phrase, <laughs> you know, or, so. Or begging those, and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't want <laughs> to do that. And, um, you know, the problem with that, uh, frame of reference is that you don't get business. You don't get yeah. to live a life that you should be living. You don't get to help people you should be helping. And so one of the things that we help those kinds of folks do is we help them reframe all that from, yeah. you know, selling and pushiness to serving and advocating yes. on behalf of somebody. Nobody wants to be sold. Everybody yes. wants to be served. And, uh, exactly. You know, and that's, people uh, respond that's what to that. Do. They, you know, they respond to it and they feel um, and that energy to give. They want to give. and uh, But to bring them out of that space, that is why I'm here. Being with this Renaissance man, because that figure that you talked about your dad is bigger than life, as you described. How did that affect you? You mentioned that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but how did it affect you, the being, this young man watching this dad um, and your mom, professional, but that heart, meditation, all those things you were exposed to, how did that affect you, Nikki, as an individual on your own, seeing this and being surrounded by this? Well, I really wanted to be like my dad. That was very important yeah. to me because I went and I, I learned how to meditate. My mom got us involved in that as well. And how old um, were you uh, when you did that? When you started learning meditation, Nick? I was twenty-one. Okay, um, I was twenty-one, and I and I did programs on on it. And it was it was pretty pretty amazing to do that. 
um, I, I went on a journey of reading. My dad read a yeah. lot. So I started to read a lot. And books that I read, they were, they opened my eyes to new worlds. You know, I would mm-hmm. read lots of fiction. I would read a ton of fiction. I'd read books written by, um, uh, by a, uh, a Mormon writer, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. who wrote about his childhood and he had wrote a series of children's books. I thought they were pretty cool. And I read the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew when I was pretty young. And then I started to read, um, heroic stories of people in, in, uh, in impossible situations like wartime. Yeah. Those really touched me. And then when I got older, I started to get into some, you know, romantic stories, uh, because, uh, you know, I started getting dressed in girls, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I wanted to understand them and books were, books were the way for me to do all that. And, yeah. and dad took us to a lot of movies. Like he mm-hmm. would take us to see Westerns because they were, you know, stories of good and evil. And my favorite actors growing up were people like John Wayne and Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Uh, because those guys were Lord Murphy was mine too as well. Um, oh, those guys, I used to look at all the old ones, man. <laughs> yeah, Eddie. When I became a younger man, I was you know in, in my early twenties. I got into Eddie Murphy in a big way, and yeah. uh, for a while he was my favorite actor. Uh, and he kind of disappeared for, <laughs> for a good yeah. ten years. He just stopped doing everything, and uh, yeah. you know he, he it was different. But uh, it, it was I learned a lot from the movies because the stories. You know, we learn from stories, right? And in yeah. business, stories, they say facts tell and stories sell. So it's more important as a, as a business person to tell the stories of the people you've served. You know, I'll give you an example of one of mine, right? So um, uh, this this young lady I spoke to you about before we, we um, got on the show, she was a naturopathic doctor and she was successful. She made six figures a year, but she wasn't as successful as she wanted to be. and you know, her father was was ill. He he had um geoblastoma and he wasn't gonna gonna survive. And she wanted to make her dad proud. You know, so she came to us and she said, I, I, I really need to learn how to do this. And immediately she um she she started working with us. Like she was like immediately, I'm in, let's go. And mm-hmm. within a very short period of time we, we realized a big challenge that she had is she wanted to help everybody. So she sounded like everybody else. She yeah. didn't stand out. There was no no dialed in message. So we got her to dial in her message and dial in her, her niche market. She started going after professional women in particular and and CEOs. And her message was get your sexy back. You know, you can be as mm-hmm. beautiful and sexy in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties as you were in your twenties and thirties. And that message took off. And yeah. She tenfolded her income in a three year wow. period. Now, I know that sounds like a long time, but honestly, that's one of the things that we say is, you know, yeah, it's good to get good results fast. Don't, don't get me wrong. And, and she did get some good results fast. But if you, if you want to really get great results, that takes time. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of what happened for this lady is she was trying to be all things to all people. And she stopped trying to be all things to all people. And she started really focusing on people that she, she wanted to help, that she, she could yeah. feel their pain. Yeah. Then her business exploded. And then, of course, we also had to really help her um, charge what she was worth. Because a lot of people in this space, they just don't charge enough or Did charge at all in some cases, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. here's one thing that, that we 
helped her see that, you know, if you don't get what you should get, you won't give what you should give. It's an energetic exchange. Yes. Money is an exchange of energy. So when she started charging more, she, she delivered more. And then the people, they had more skin in the game. So they did the work. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And that was beautiful. That was absolutely I know, beautiful. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I have said this story once before. I had a friend of mine. She was an artist and she had a, um, uh, she had, uh, uh, I think it was a weekend. The weekend was her show was in, uh, was being, uh, displayed. And so I had the opportunity. I'm, and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to come and hang out with her that, uh, before the show happened. And so I saw the prices that she had in these giant canvas and I'm looking at her. She was selling for like $200 and stuff like that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? So I kind of started looking at her. I said, how much time? Did it cause you to, did you paint this particular picture? What did you buy your supply and all that stuff? And just the basic stuff she was telling me about. And I showed her and I said, you see how, what you have done? I said, you, you have no, didn't value all of your work. So I told her, I said, tell you what, I want you to give me all of your, your painting. I don't want you to look at the price. Don't, don't look at anything. Just trust me on this and show up at the, uh, at the show. She showed up. I've had everything it was like five thousand, ten thousand, um, all kinds of crazy prices. And she's looking there. She got there. Nikki, she almost died um, at price because um, you know she's looking at that. She said, "No one will 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 buy this stuff." Man, the thing sold out. People are asking her when is she gonna have more, and people started commissioning her for things. And I told her, I said, uh, um, "You, your value." Uh, you know, the time that it takes for you to put that. How was that? All your, your creative energy is priced. There's a price to it. But most people, like you said, in that space, they don't see it. And so we need someone like yourself. Uh, before you got into this space, Nikki, uh, you're 20 something years old. You're, you're learning about meditation and all that stuff. You're reading and expanding your mind within books and, and learning about the opposite sex and the, the art of the woman. <laughs> Uh, from reading and all of that as this young man, uh, making his journey through life, what were some of, uh, uh, the direction that you took there at that age, um, in, you know, planning your life and where did it take you? What decision did you make as far as where I want to go with my life and how did you get there? Well, you know, I started to, um, work inside corporate Canada. I worked for a big telecom company. Um, and I stayed in that space for eight and a half years, mm -hmm. you know, from 1993 to 2001. And um, I knew <laughs> for the longest time that this was not the place for me, but I didn't have the courage to, to get out, yeah. you know. Um, and the money was good, especially in the later years. And yeah. I had prestige and, and expense accounts and so forth. Mm -hmm. But God had a different idea. Yeah. and. Um, God's idea was we out of this place. So the last company I worked for went bankrupt <laughs> and boom, I went on to a journey where for about a, a good, um, you know, a good year and a bit, I was just doing different things, dabbling. And then one day, uh, I'd gotten married in 2002. It was, it was a whirlwind, uh, romance and marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, 
one of my wife's friends said, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I think I like to do fitness. She goes, okay, well, you could do this. You could do that. I wasn't, I wasn't in the mood to have the discussion, but the very next day, yeah. um, I got a phone call from someone I knew, uh, a young woman who's a bit overweight. And she called me and she says, Hey, um, so-and-so said that <laughs> you're a personal trainer. I need one. Um, what are you charging? How soon can we start? So, I mean, God not only kicked me out of the last company I worked with, he found me somebody who acted as an agent and got my start by getting me my first client. So, you know, I I just, it was wild. So, we started working together and then um, I got a bunch more clients. And then I, I, at that point, I, I was introduced by a friend of mine to an Olympic gold medalist here in Canada by the name of Mark McCoy. Now, Mark McCoy in 1992 was the first Canadian in 60 years to win an Olympic gold medal in track and field. Um, and so Mark introduced me to the great Donovan Bailey, who's another Canadian Olympic gold medalist in track and field. We started a business together and that raised my profile in this space. And, um, you know, I started to have a brand called the CEO health coach. I started to work with a lot of CEOs and these were folks who were business people and they were very smart, but very out of shape. They didn't, didn't spend a lot of time working out. So I really help these folks get in shape. That, that, that's what I did. You know, and, uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about this because I, I laugh, I laugh when you, it says, it's going to kick you out. And when the onset of, of our conversation, I told you, we always live life until, uh, Nikki and your until was, um, because God is trying to talk to us. And, and for years, he was trying to reach you because you felt it even within yourself and the the pieces that keep us in that uh, vein are the things that we are programmed to believe that we need in order to live this life and to come out from there is someplace that we're not familiar with because we don't have the vision to see how we will be able to sustain ourselves the security the money all of those things that they tell us when they're programming us, this is what life is about. But I cannot, I can't tell you how many people that I've interviewed are at that level. I've gotten all of the, the look and go, this is nothing, anything that who I am. And so when you said that, I laugh because it, it is, uh, sometimes it is that abruptness where you have to be moved out. And he would even cause a company because you're so valuable for the work that he has to be done. That he's, he's, your value, he was shut down a company to get you out of that space so that he can bring you on this new journey, uh, for you to get to where you need to because he sees the need. You don't see it. And so, um, uh, that was a very funny story and I love how you, 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 you know, but I wanted to circle back and bring people's attention because we, we, stay there because of the security and we don't know but here you are you're moved on and god presented your own agent asap everything and start moving you forward in the space that he saw now he's about to introduce you to the folks that will take you to that next level learning about the mindsets and stuff like that i want you to talk to me as you started entertaining uh, the energy of these CEOs and these athletes at that level because their mindset is different from the common man because they're exposed 
to a different type of training. I always tell people um, uh, you need to be trained in condition response, I call it. You're training yourself so much in a specific thing that when it does happen, your Bruce Lee talks about the condition response where you're 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 mm. moving even before you, you you know because you're conditioned. Talk to me about some of those mindset that the athletes have because it is a powerful thing. They've learned how to train the mind. Talk to us a little about some of those insights as you were getting with those folks. Well, thank you for that. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of. I mean, in my book, Finish Line Thinking. Uh, I talk about the 13 principles of how to think and win like a champion athlete. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll share a few of those principles with you. So the first one is, uh, champion athletes, they condition their body. They eat well and they exercise. You know what yeah. I mean? These are not folks who eat a lot of bonbons and drink a ton of beer every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, these, these are folks who eat like food like steak and fish yeah. and chicken and, uh, you know, uh, salad, carrots. They don't eat a lot of processed garbage. They, yeah. um, they move their bodies every day. Even after they retire from their sport, they keep moving their bodies, right? And you think about that. That makes sense because, you know, a strong body makes a strong mind. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And, and a strong soul. So that's, that's the first thing. I mean, it, it was really, really, uh, hit home and brought home for me. I mean, I was already into exercising and eating well, but it just took it to another level for me for, uh, for that period of my life. And, um, the other thing is they have a different relationship with failure than I did yeah. certainly at the time and that most yeah. people did. So, most people look at failure as that means I'm a failure. Oh my God, life is over. So they try to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. These guys seek failure. Yeah. They run to it. They no. want it because failure is the road to success. Yes. You got to learn how to lose if you want to win. Learn how to win. You know, and, and Mark McCoy just, he just kept running, kept running, kept running. He won 15. Canadian National Hurdles Championships. He won the Commonwealth Games gold medal three times. He was a two-time world champion. And of course, he was an Olympic gold medalist as well. And world rec- multiple world record holder. In fact, one of his world records still stands. 36 years later, after he said it, it still stands. Now, listen, you know, there's world records that stand a long time, but in track... In track and field? Are you kidding me? Those records are, are gone like that, man. Even yeah. the great Usain Bolt, someone's going to break his world record. Oh, yeah. Sooner or later, you know? <laughs> and Mark has this, Mark was known for having the fastest start in human history. The fastest start. Like from a start in the first 20 meters, man, you, he, he, he was a bullet, right? Yeah. And so he did the 50 meter indoor hurdles. And the world record for that still stands. He, yeah. No one's broken it. Uh, I remember know, so when uh, Sebastian Coe did the uh, the mile, and the whole yeah. world stopped when when he did that three minute mile. And then a couple years later, everybody was just that was like warm up stuff with, with, with guys today. So yeah, it, in track and field, those things don't last. And so to have something like that is an achievement. Uh, that uh, that group, because I understand, I've, I I. I uh, know some of the mindset within the athlete. They have pushed the body 
Uh, they train the mind to push the body beyond its comfort zone. And the, uh, the failure, as anyone would say, failure, uh, we would push our bodies to that level where we saw where the limit was. And then after we saw what the limit was at that time, then we know where we can, where we, we locate where we are. And then we start to push beyond that. So failure in the mind of an athlete, if that's a, for a word, is not really something that we look at as, as failure. It, to me, it was always uh, an identifier. I saw where my limits were at this time. And so I knew what it will take to get past that. And so, yeah, we used to hunt those things, uh, Nikki, yes, to get sir. past that because it would, uh, it just simply identify where we were our limit and where we needed to be to push beyond that. That's why that's a, that is something that everyone needs to understand and bring it into their own world, their own life. And I tell them all the time, Nick, the dark places are designed to show the greatness within you. Do not run from it. It is designed that way. And once you uh, recognize why it's there, then you can look at your limit and then you say, okay, what do I need to do to create this new uh, 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 place or world that I want to have? And I use the example of Genesis chapter 1 when God shows up and he says, this earth is a mess. And he looked at it and said, you know what? I have this business plan already set in place. I want to bring a place to put this man in. And I keep telling people, you got to have a business plan. And so he had his business plan. He said, let's make man in our image. And he said, but I need a place. So he comes down, it's a little messy, darkness is there, and he says, you know what, I need light. And he spoke to it. And when he spoke to it, the words that he released caused the the atoms and all the other molecules to begin to formulate what he wanted. That resides within all of us. As you and I move that energy, when we look at our darkness and say, wait a minute, and I tell people, this has to be, Nick, I tell them, I said, this has to be what I call your statement of faith. You got to believe it more than anything else because God believed it when he said, let there be light. So you got to believe it more than I do. So you're going to look at me and go, this is what I want. And when you make that statement of faith, make that tell them all the energy that you have just released in that will go and find the people that will need that you need in your life to help you to get to that space that you just released those words. Those athletes, they know how to get it. Time and time again because I hung around with them. Talk to me as to how did that affect you, Nick, being around those? Well, I got a lot fitter. I got a lot <laughs> uh, stronger. I got a lot faster. You, you know, you are who you hang around. I mean, the law of proximity is yeah. is 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 real, right? And that's one of the things we share with uh, our um, our folks is that one of the reasons to be a part of the community of of uh, heart leaders and thought leaders that we have put together is because you're around people that are going to elevate your game. You know, you hang around five people who are learning business and making money, you're going to learn business and you're going to make money. It's that simple, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the truth. So that happened for me, but my own mindset shifted in a, in a big way. I started to think like those folks thought and, I was able to teach it to people. You know, Glasser choice theory says that the best way to learn something is to teach it. Think about that. Yeah, the absolutely. best way to learn something is to teach it. So I started to teach these principles to clients and to folks, and that's what made it better for me. 
So um, walk with me here. How did you make that transition as you began to be affected by the uh, proximity of being around these uh, uh, folks and their energy? And as it uh, began to change you, how did you make that move from there? Did you see it? How did you see it? And what steps did you take to bring it into existence when you say, okay, I need to become a teacher. What was that? Um, how did that thought came about, Nikki, and how did you begin to formulate it? Well, the thought came about in, you know, originally when I, when I got into the field of being a personal trainer and I got some clients. But mm-hmm. what really hit me was that when I learned something really good that works well for me, I want to tell everybody, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this works, you got to do this, right? <laughs> And, and so for me, that, that was what became really, really important. You know, um, wanting to have other people get it yeah. made it more real for me. You know, yeah. when you give, you get so much more yes. than the person you're giving to. It's just yeah. unbelievable, uh, that, yeah. that so few people understand this. But inside of this space, if you're giving your heart, you're giving your soul, you're giving your knowledge to somebody, that person is going to benefit a million fold, you know, and I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you another story. Uh, there was a, um, there was a young woman, uh, who, uh, came to us and she had been the country director for a major personal development company, global company, right? Um, this company uh, had been around since the late sixties. So she, she ran Canada. She brought someone in to help her out. Mm-hmm. And they ended up not, not seeing eye to eye. So she ended up leaving. And when she left, she floundered, floundered. She just, she, a year and a half just was trying to figure it out. So she got introduced to us and started working with us. And, um, we, we helped her see that her superpower lay in her giving and she still wanted to give. She had so much to give. So mm-hmm. she started to work with CEOs because many of them were lonely at the top. And she started to do some emotional resiliency coaching for them. In her first month, she got $10,000 in business. In her second month, she got 12000 In her third month, she got 18000 hmm. In her fourth month, she crushed it. She got $62,200 in business. It was unbelievably fantastic. And then she, you know, then she uh, was just busy and giving from her heart. It was just wonderful. And all these people's lives were being affected. The organizations were being affected. And she lives in Ottawa, Ontario. And I live in Toronto. It's a five-hour drive. I have, like I said to you, two sons. And one of them uh, was 12 at the time. He's 16 now. He plays soccer. And he had a tournament in Ottawa. So we drove Mm -hmm. to Ottawa to play in the tournament. And I called her because she had a son my son's age. I said, hey, would you like to meet with my son, with your son? She said, yes, I would. That'd be nice. So we all met. We had a great lunch for about an hour, hour and a half. And then we were on our way out of the city. So we headed out. A few weeks later, we had one of our uh, quarterly branded thought leader immersion workshops where we teach heart-driven people how to you know, do what they do in a more business-like fashion, make more money at it, all that good stuff, right? Um, so in, in, a, in a certain part of the event, we do our enrollment opportunity to enroll people into our four-year mastermind and educational program. And the way I do it is I ask some of our existing members to speak. And so um, 
I said, would anyone like to share, you know, their experience? So she said, I would. She bounded on stage <laughs> and um, proceeded to cry, just sob and bawl before she could say a word. And like any red-blooded male faced with a crying female, I proceeded to panic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, I just like what's wrong in my head. Like, I'm standing there calm. What's wrong? Why is she crying? Oh my god! What did I do? That's where I went. What did I do? Yeah. And then she looked back at me. She says, "Nikki, you didn't know this, but when you and your little son came to meet me and my little son, my little son asked me, mommy, mommy, who are we going to meet today?'" Hmm. And she said, oh, we're going to meet Nikki Ballou and his son. And he looked at her and he said, oh, are we going to meet the man who saved our family? Wow. And she just looked at me and I just, I started to cry. And I hugged her and she hugged wow. me. And, you know, in between her sobs, she said, you didn't know this, but I hadn't worked for 18 months. We hadn't had any money coming in. I was about to lose our home, foreclosing on our, on our, on our house. And my husband and I were fighting and, you know, family was at risk of breaking apart. You literally helped save our family. Wow. And, you know, for me, this taught me a valuable lesson. I have no idea what people are dealing with. I have no idea what kind of uh, struggles they're going through. And I ask God every day, God, give me an opportunity to serve someone like I serve this person. Yeah. You know, and I tell my clients, people inside the space, tell you, Ken, there's someone like that in your world. And ask God for the opportunity to be of service to them because if you raise your frequency your energy vibration that's what you're gonna do you know um yeah. one of my mentors he taught me something very valuable he said inside business people think it's all a numbers game it's not a numbers game it's no. a people game and to become successful okay 80 percent of your success in business is based on your frequency and energy vibration 80 percent mm -hmm. And that all comes from how much you care about people. Yeah. So 80% of your success in business is a function of caring about people yeah. and letting that bubble up in your being. 10% is knowing what to do and all that good stuff, which we teach people very effectively. And 10% is execution. Yeah. You know, but 80% is this. So if you're a good, caring person, you have 80% of your success figured out already. Yeah. You just got to keep that up there. That's what you got to do. And that's what we teach people to do. And then you got to obviously know what to do and, and, and execute yeah. it well. So that's, that's the moral that's of my powerful. story. Yeah, it's a powerful story, man. Um, it houses much wisdom and knowledge in there. Um, I always, you know, living from that space, Nikki, as we mentioned earlier when, on the onset, purpose of the journey is to bring us to that space, right where you're talking about. In that space is where you're living from and out of. Um, and I tell all the folks that you need to get there. It's a, it's a marvelous place. What houses there is joy. What houses there is power. What houses there is humility. What houses there is, is wisdom. It is all of these things that are housed there, waiting there for you to experience. And when you get there, it is a part of your daily routine. Because it keeps you humble, you recognize where you are, and you know that you are a servant foremost. And as a heart of a servant, that's your prayer. And I do the same. I pray to be used, to serve, to be a servant to someone. And when you open yourself to that level of living a life, everything is different. As I mentioned to you, uh, the conversation becomes different. Um, 
you don't know, but those words are different. When someone uh, hears it, it is bringing life. There's a scripture that talks about um, kind words uh, is a well to the heart, brings uh, life to the heart of the hearer and these things. And so uh, in that space of servanthood, it is absolute power. Uh, one of my favorite story or images that I try to, I, I find it hard to even um, put into my, my being to, to get a handle of because I grew up in the church as well, Nikki, and the fact that Jesus washed his disciples' foot freaks me out um, in the sense that what a powerful imagery to have in one's life. And I think that should be all of our goal to get to that place of humbleness and a humble being to be able to serve to that level that uh, um, this God was able to wash the creation uh, it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And here you are living yes. in a space where you are able to serve. Talk to us. Uh, and I try to tell people, get there as quickly as you can. I can't explain by words. You have to, your being needs to experience this. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to explain. As you said, you try. But look what uh, an impact. Nikki was a family unit was saved. In from her words, the son's word. Now, who knows what that family unit, what type of effect they will have on this earth. And so you and I are in a great space. And that's why I say that you are here for a purpose. Those that are listening to us, um, I implore you, get his books, bring them to you, bring them, uh, buy them um, and uh, offer them to friends and family so that you can move them through. Those that need to get in touch with him, get in touch because I know he'll make himself available because he is a servant. Uh, uh, purchase the book, get into his master class, get in, get into his space and change your life. Those are like, that are a part of my industry, uh, uh, entrepreneurship. Get in touch with him because he will be able to help you to make the adjustment in your mind. Switching and changing your perspective will change your future. And here is someone that is offering this to us because it is his gift, it is his love, it is his passion, and he wants to see you get past that. Nikki, talk to him as to some of you mentioned a couple of stories. I want to pull another one out of you because those stories houses so much information. Uh, uh, Jesus gave parables because it, uh, uh, it, uh, when he told them, it's for those right brain thinkers, the left brain thinkers, all of them were able to get the fullness of the wisdom within those things. Pull out another one, Nikki, and, uh, uh, tell the people and the joy that you receive as a result of that when, quote unquote, the light, the light bulb came on in their life when they saw it and they moved through their situation. <laughs> All right, I will. So there was a um, a young man that um, was in the wellness field. You know, this man um, was a personal trainer, and he had, uh, you know, a tough time of it, okay? Mm -hmm. He had seven clients. His business was not doing well. He needed to borrow money from his parents to pay his rent, okay? I don't think he even made $1,500 a month. It was that rough. And he... He came to us because he, you know, he'd been told that we help people like him and 
we started to work with him. And the first question I asked him was, okay, so who's your target market? Who, who do you work with? Well, I work with anybody. Hmm. <laughs> anybody. Oh, yeah. If they can pay out, I'll work with them. He didn't charge very much, and yeah. he would work with anybody. So he didn't have many clients because that's not really a great strategy, right? <laughs> it just doesn't work. So I said, look, you need to narrow your niche. You need to like work with a particular group for a particular reason, particular set of problems. He goes, okay, 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 okay. So his dad was a doctor. He says, I'll work with doctors. I'll work with doctors. <laughs> All right. And he did it because his dad was a doctor and he thought doctors had money. And yeah. Of course, you know, that wasn't very compelling to doctors. No. So <laughs> not a lot of them signed up with him. He got a couple, but, um, mm -hmm. and I said, this isn't working, man. He was okay. 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 I, I got it. I work with cardiologists. That's even narrower, right? Cardiologists. I'm like, all right. Okay, you're working with cardiologists. All right, great, great, great. Well, the cardiologist wasn't that compelling to work with him either. I mean, just like you just picked the group and thought they had money, and you know, maybe he got one or two again, but no great shakes. Then he, he met a man um, who was a Afro-Cuban man who moved to Canada and had been a Paralympian medalist. I think he even won a Paralympic gold medal, but he had a missing leg, right? A childhood accident. Right? And this dude was in shape, still is, right? 57 years old now. He's still like a badass in shape, you know, like um, in any event, he, uh, he started working with this guy. He trained him for a while and he loved training this guy. He said, I love training this guy. And I said, hmm. you know, why? And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, maybe it's because Maybe it's because the guy's really, you know, like motivated and focused. So he said, it's because the guy's really motivated and focused. <laughs> like, okay, great. And then I thought, okay, why else? You know, and I was thinking to myself, well, uh, you know, maybe it's because the guy really appreciated what he was doing. And he said, the guy really appreciates what I'm doing for him. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I want to work with, with people with missing limbs, he said. Uh, okay. So, Ken, he signed up. Um, 400 clients in six weeks, 400 clients. Couldn't do one-on-one -on -one anymore, obviously. Mm -hmm. He had to create on the fly some sort of group package and program. And like his income over tenfolded, you know what I mean? Like over tenfolded in six weeks. Now, you know, you got to count the six to eight months where he really wasn't doing anything with all this yeah, other yeah, crap he yeah. tried that didn't work. But, mm -hmm. um, why was he successful? Well, nobody was going after people with missing limbs as workout clients. Nobody. <laughs> so he had he had a blue ocean, right? Mm -hmm. A blue ocean just available to him. And then secondly, his message really hit home. So he wasn't being all things to all people anymore. Yeah. He was being para tough. He wrote a book by that name. And um I, I put myself in the shoes of someone with a missing limb because, you know, I, I don't have that experience. I, I have other experience. I have a full able-bodied experience and nobody was going after these guys. And his message was, you can work out, you can be strong and I'll make you that way. And obviously this not only made sense from a, you know, physical point of view, they wanted to be mm -hmm. strong, but I mean, emotionally, the message was, you're just as good and capable as anybody else. Don't tell yourself any different. And be around people who tell you you are just as good or just as powerful, just as valuable. You know, and that message must have sunk in deep, you know. And so 
he, he created a fantastic business. So the moral of the story is, well, obviously don't keep doing things alone because on your own, you're not going to figure this yeah. out. You need to be around some mentors and, 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 yeah. and folks that can help you figure this out. But also, you know, be, be open to God's deeper message on who you're supposed to help coming to you because that's what happened here for this young man. And that's what allowed him to build a beautiful, beautiful business. That is awesome. That, that is, I keep telling people, the journey is to find your gift, find what it is that you excel at. You may not think that you do, but you have it. It's there within you, I believe. Every one of us came onto this planet with it. It houses within us. It takes someone like yourself that is trained in the questions to ask to unearth in some of us. You have, you've been there. We, because we are doing the work, we're not focusing, we don't understand, or we don't know the questions that needs to be asked. But someone like yourself who's been surrounded with the mindset, who's been surrounded with folks that, that, uh, who has the gift of that, uh, uh, able to ask those questions. Why? Because you have gone through those things and you know the question that you ask. And you know what to ask them to bring out the outcome that you need. Again, those that are listening, I want you guys to get in touch with Nikki. I'm going to provide all that information. He has a podcast. You need to drink everything up. I actually, before this interview, I was listening to everything I can get. And I will continue to listen because I, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm drinking from him, his energy, his wisdom, and I am gaining much insight as we continue our talk. Nick, I want to thank you for coming to this place and presenting to us your story, your journey. It was a beautiful one and I'm excited about it. And I cannot wait for the folks to get into your space so that you can take them to that next level that they need to get in order to be effective and change this world. Man. Ken, honestly, brother, it, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me on the show, man. God bless you, brother. Oh. Thank you, man. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trial to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.